It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. This is the On the Pony Express podcast. Part of the On 3 network. Check out all the SMU coverage you need at ontheponyexpress.com. Now, now. here's your host, Billy Embody. Billy Embody. One, two, three. Where do we go? Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the On the Pony Express podcast. I'm Billy Embody. Thanks for listening. Fresh off of SMU's 69-10 win over Tulsa on Saturday for homecoming. The Mustangs now turn their attention to Rice on Saturday night, 6.30 p.m. Central Time game on ESPNU as SMU and Rice start back up their uh, rivalry of sorts, a game that has been played plenty of times over the years between Dallas and Houston. SMU leads the series 48-41-1, to to the one tie on there. But Rice won the last game back in 2012, beating SMU 36-14 back in the June Jones days um, in that one. And look, this is an opportunity for SMU to go play a 4-4 and Rice team that has high expectations for its season to get back to bowl eligibility play them down in their stadium, beat them, go to the ACC with another, uh, you know, series kind of pausing, ending, however you want to look at it, win over an in-state program. They're going to have an opportunity to do that over North Texas next week. They're going to have an opportunity to do that over an out-of-state team that has been a thorn in SMU side, Memphis, as well as Navy. These last four games, they mean a lot for SMU, not only because they're in the thick of the AAC championship race, but also just sending those series off on their little hiatus or pause or end on a very firm note that SMU got the last laugh um, as they go to the ACC. And, you know, with the win in each of those games, we'll be playing for an AAC championship. But Rice is a team that has a win over Houston and say what you want about Houston this year. They've been down, you know, understandably going into the Big 12 um, and just with where that program is overall. But they did get a win over them. They opened the season with a strong showing against Tulsa, uh, against Texas, I should say. And they played Tulane as well as anyone um, really ha- has played them outside of Ole Miss uh, on their schedule so far this season. And really probably should have won that game. But um before we get into full-blown SMU Rice talk, uh, which we will have Matthew Bartlett of AtTheRoost.com with us uh, at the end of the podcast, I'll just drop it to that and uh, send you guys on your way uh, with that preview with uh, Matthew and I. Um, he, he knows the Owls as, as good as anyone out there. Um, but Mike Bloomgren has done a really nice job building that program. But SMU did a nice job on Saturday night. Uh, 69 points. That's nice. 28 Points in the first quarter, 52 to three lead at the half for SMU. And 
you know, they got a bunch of people in there over the course of those four quarters. Uh, Preston Stone didn't even play the whole first half. He finished 15 of 20 for 371 yards, three touchdowns. And it's just another example of Preston continuing to take the steps in the right direction as the leader of this offense and the director of this offense, offense which is now you know, climbed up into uh, the ranks in terms of top scoring offenses nationally. Uh, Preston is, is knocking on the top 10 for total touchdowns uh, this season for quarterback uh, passing touchdowns. That is, uh, I believe he's 12th in the country right now. Um, and now you enter this four game stretch that is obviously very critical uh, to SMU for this season, but also just for, again, leaving the AAC on a very, very high note um, if they can get things done over the next four weeks. And the, the big question was, was, would this offense come around to this defense that is sitting in the uh, top five in yards per play, that's sitting right on the doorstep of a top 10 ranking in, t- in total defense, their fifth in stop rate um, this season. And, and they're coming off another performance where they had two interceptions they gave up 247 yards, but your starters didn't play much the second half. And they just find ways to, to make plays, whereas the offense, it's been a work in progress. But having a game where Kamar Wheaton goes for 105 total yards and two touchdowns, uh, you have Adam Moore, the freshman, emerge. You have Jordan Curley, four catches, 49 yards, RJ Maryland, two for 95, including that 62 yard touchdown catch and run uh, Keyshawn Smith, three for 46 with a long of 36. Um, even Jordan Hudson got a couple receptions. Romello Brinson opened things up with a 74 yard touchdown. They just had a lot going for them offensively. And that was without Jake Bailey doing much without Roger Daniels really doing much. Um, you know, it's an offense that is really starting to put it together and say what you want about the competition that they face. Tulsa has the athletes where SMU shouldn't have been able to necessarily crush them like that. And Rhett Lashley kind of said it after the game. He thought, you know, if SMU played Tulsa nine times, they would maybe have that result just once the one time that they played, of course, on Saturday and the other nine times it would probably be a lot closer. And uh, it's tough to disagree with them. Uh, That's the type of athletes that Tulsa has. They played them tougher last year um, at Tulsa. They came in two years ago, obviously a different team, but came in two years ago and beat SMU in Sonny Dykes' last game in Dallas. And I I think this team is really starting to hit its stride. And I know I kind of sound like a broken record overall, but the maturity of this team is way up there. Uh, for for SMU fans that haven't watched, uh, you know, or haven't paid close enough attention to the makeup of SMU teams and all they know is the record or they followed it for big games or, you know, until SMU kind of has faltered through the years, this is the most mature group that I've covered. And even Preston Stone, who is an older first-year starting quarterback, he's been on campus multiple years, but he's just an older guy. I believe he's 21 now. Um, and you have him at the helm. You have a lot of guys who have been through a lot on both sides of the ball. And it's in the second year of the program where they only saw one tweak to the coaching staff last year with Craig Niver leaving and Maurice Crum coming in. They're in a very, very good spot mentally. And there are 
many guys that if you look at the Miami transfers, what they've been through with a coaching change and how it worked out and didn't, you know, work out with with Mario Cristobal in their first year with them and they transferred to SMU. Jonathan McGill leaving Stanford, getting a fresh start at SMU back home for his final two years. Guys that have been around the program a long time, Brandon Crosley, uh, Jordan Curley, um, you know, some of these veterans, Tyler Levine that are that are setting the tone for how this team should be overall. Um, and there's many more just on both sides of the ball. But they, they have just laid such solid groundwork for this team to have the opportunity to take advantage of all of their their opportunities to win out and get to that promised land of an AAC championship, whether they have to go to the Tulane or whether they have to host it um, or even if they were to suffer a loss and somehow find their way in still, those are all things that are ahead of them. And it, it just goes back to team leadership. And last year I, I said this, even when SMU went through the rut last year, they lost to Maryland. They really should have won that game. They didn't play perfect, but just they were the better team that ended up shooting themselves in the foot against TCU. They didn't come out and play the right way. And then you get into UCF and Cincinnati, two very good teams that were just kind of a cut above. And when you didn't have a defense last year, it was tough for this offense to be perfect and carry this team. But then you saw them go on that stretch run of beating Houston, going up to Tulsa and winning. They had the the slip up against Tulane. It, it wasn't perfect, but it was a step in the right direction. And this year, you, you you sit back and you look at this team and you say, wow, they played really well against Oklahoma. You wish they hadn't made two critical errors. Against TCU, that was their worst game of the year. Uh, even, even against East Carolina, I, I still think that game against TCU is worse because, yes, things didn't fire on all cylinders in the middle two quarters for SMU's offense. It didn't really fire at all. But they were always in the lead. They didn't do anything that killed them. They just had to hang around, and then eventually they they broke through. And credit to the defense, they played well enough against East Carolina where they weren't ever really a threat. But now you're through uh, four games of league play, and you have your one bad league game, uh, game, so to speak, offensively at least, out of the way. And that's not to say they're going to be rolling through the rest of these games, but they've learned a little bit of adversity throughout this season. And they have the talent to overcome all of that and go on and win out the rest of this regular season and play for a championship. And I, I just think they're, they're built different in that regard. They remember what it was like to go to Tulane and, still be in the mix for the conference championship. They would have had to really, I think they really would have needed some help, but they they had that chance still, and they obviously didn't get off the bus. It was a bad game. Those things are all motivating this team, but last year to win, uh, to go five and one down the stretch, they know what it takes to win at a high level to put yourself in position to have those championship opportunities. And we're going to see them have 
enough leadership to get through those four games that are upcoming and I think come out unscathed. And there is a past where SMU would play with its food against some of these teams in the past, but they they made mincemeat of, of Temple, of Tulsa. You know, again, it wasn't that close against East Carolina, regardless of the, the offensive struggles. And Charlotte, you know, they were in complete control. And we haven't seen this type of dominance. And they've done it with a couple guys nicked up here and there, offense not firing on all cylinders, but they've all just hung together so well. And so some things you can't kind of quantify, but we know that this offense has to continue to improve and it has the last couple of weeks. And that is a good bit of uh, something that, that people should take some confidence in as they go down the stretch uh, for the, the rest of this uh, regular season. They have the, the offensive confidence to make this work. Speaking of confidence, guys, if you are looking at going down to Houston for the SMU Rice game, you're going to check out our friends at Game Time. Game Time has one of the easiest apps out there to navigate just across the board, um, whether it's ticketing app or something else. And that's a reason why I really love it. So I'm showing you guys on here the, the GameTime.co uh, page where you could you know go on your computer, but the app is even easier than this. It's so quick to navigate around, whether you're searching for, if you made a last minute trip out to see the Rangers playing the World Series, whether you've been planning for Cowboys games, whether you um, are looking at this game, SMU versus Rice, they'll do a great job of dividing it up for you. If you want the best deal, great seats, there it is right at the top. If you want the cheapest option, they've got it for you on there. You can also find some of those flash deals that we tell you guys about all the time. And you can do that on the app. Um, and you shouldn't have to worry when having to go through the ticket buying process. And that's why we partnered with Game Time. It's fast and easy. And it's the, it's the best way to buy your tickets for sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. They've got the killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from the seats. Like if you haven't been down to Rice's Stadium, you can see it right there. Uh, on the screen when you when you check it out, uh, what you're paying for. Uh, if you're in 101, you can see that's a pretty good view there of the Mustangs and, and Owls getting after it on the field. Um, and that's why, in part, why we've partnered with Game Time. Not only that, but the Game Time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Guys, buying tickets... It just takes seconds, two taps to buy with game time. You know, you can use the Apple Pay, you can use whatever uh, to do that without the hidden fees on top of that. So download the game time app, create an account and use promo code PONY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply. Again, create an account, redeem code PONY, P-O-N-Y for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Appreciate game time always, as always, for supporting the On the Pony Express podcast and On3, the official ticketing app of On3. So a um, couple injury updates. We did talk with Rhett Lashley this week. Uh, Jalen Davis Robinson, who had that interception last week against Tulsa, uh, is going to probably be a game time decision. He's in the concussion protocol right now. So that's something they're working through. Uh, he took a hit. Um, I forgot on what play, but he kind of got 
think he kind of got sandwiched um, in the second half, uh, maybe. Yeah, second half. And so he had to end up leave, leaving the game, ended up leaving the game, um, going to the locker room. So he's game time decision. Uh, Brandon Crosby's going to be back again. Um, and then the two guys that are going to be uh, potentially available are Bryce McMorris, who got hurt real late. And it looked bad. You kind of your heart almost your heart went out for him, period. But your heart went out for him because he's been through so much recovering from that knee injury he sustained um, a while back now. And he uh, is just dealing with the bone bruise. So that's good news. He might be available, might not. And then Brian Massey, kind of same story, might be available, might not. Uh, but this team is looks pretty healthy overall. Uh, don't think we're in for any surprises overall uh, when it comes to the injury. So that's good. So SMU will be uh, in good shape heading down to Rice. I think for me, the keys to the game this week lie with, I think defensive turnovers will be important. We've seen SMU go on a little bit of a run in conference play with turnovers. We saw Isaiah Wachobia's interception return for a touchdown. But when you're facing a passing attack like JT Daniels, where he's absolutely cruising this year offensively, you're going to need to be able to kind of take some possessions. And, you know, one thing that I've, I've watched a little bit of Rice this year, but I didn't realize how much they do a good job of controlling the clock and controlling your possessions while being a passing offense. Uh, JT Daniels on the year, uh, completing 63.6% of his passes, 2,362 yards, 19 touchdowns, six interceptions. Um, Dean Connors is their leading rusher, 58 carries, 337 yards, four touchdowns. Um, but Luke McCaffrey, this is going to be a good matchup for Charles Woods, 41 receptions, 692 yards, eight touchdowns. Yeah, that that McCaffrey, by the way. Um, they've got some good genes there. A funny uh, thing is that Play Wyatt, who uh, is out of the Dallas area, got his first offer all the way back in 2018 from SMU. Uh, he is Rice's leading tackler. He's kind of been uh, uh, called into a bigger role this year, I guess, from what I understand. Um, and so he's he's playing for the Owls. So I thought that was kind of funny. I remember play when he was coming up, but he's their really good safety uh, back there making a lot of plays for them. Um, and then the other uh, one is uh, uh, Josh uh, uh, Percy, who is uh, a captain, got hurt last week against Tulane. This is a massive piece off the edge for the Owls that might not be able to go. Um, and if that's the case, that certainly helps out guys like Marcus Bryant, Hyron White, protecting Preston Stone because he's been dominant this year um, for the Owls. Um, so uh, that was a big piece of news to kind of come out of that Tulane game is, is will he end up uh, playing? Uh, will he end up uh, being able to go? Um, and so we'll be watching that. That'll be a uh, one that I'm sure they'll kind of try to keep to themselves a little bit and see if they can, you know, get to uh, the SMU game without uh, letting, letting on to what his plans are, but still uh, we'll be monitoring his status. So um, before we go guys, before I give you my prediction, I do got to tell you guys about red and West, uh, our friends uh, who have just jumped into uh, the mix when it comes to SMU apparel, they've got the red polo. I saw this on one of SMU's big football supporters in East Carolina uh, looked looked sharp out there. 
um, on uh, the field in, in uh, Greenville. Uh, had some jeans and boots, starting to be that weather. So you can kind of throw this on and look a little cowboy if you want to. They've got the red, they've got the white uh, here, and it's all really nice, breathable fabric. Um, and, and that's what I like about it. And, you know, they, they've kind of taken this new look approach on that old school coach's gear. Uh, they're going to add more SMU gear in the future. So check out our friends Red and West. But the, the biggest piece of news uh, is, as always, now to tell you guys that you can get ACC Ready with promo code ACC Ready for 10% off your order. So check them out. Use that code um, and, and check them out um, because they're breaking into the SMU market and doing a great job with it with these high-quality polos from Red and West. Before I leave you guys, uh, my prediction for this one, I've got to ride with SMU's defense here. And the toughest part about this game is SMU hasn't faced a quarterback in league play like JT Daniels. They just, quite frankly, have it right now. Um, but I am going to pick the Mustangs in this one. Uh, the odds have moved towards SMU minus 12 now. The over-under set at 59 and a half. And so... I hate to be a broken record, but uh, I really like what where things have been going with this 45 uh, to teens score prediction that I've been rolling out the last couple of weeks. I'm going to go SMU 45, Rice 17. Um, that's a comfortable cover for SMU. I just think Rice isn't uh, multidimensional enough for the Mustangs uh, to really be faced with much, many issues defensively. And if Charles Woods is at his best, covering Luke McCaffrey, same goes with Chris Megginson, they'll be all right. Um, so uh, I, I think SMU has been efficient enough to go into uh, Houston and get this win. It's a critical one. It might be tougher, but I've got confidence in this defense to keep it to be a low-scoring side of things for Rice. So with that, guys, we're going to send you out on the other side of this break with our interview with Matthew Bartlett of AtTheRoost.com. Check it out. Um, and enjoy his side of things from SMU Rice as uh, I talked with him. So thanks for listening to this edition of the On the Pony Express podcast. We'll catch you post-game with full reaction in the after step. Welcome back to the On the Pony Express podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm happy to be joined by At the Roosts, Matthew Bartlett. Matthew, thanks so much for the time as we preview SMU versus Rice. Uh, this thing getting back underway for the first time in a minute. Yeah, it's kind of, a, you know, of course, who knows what's going to happen next week, next year, but this was going to be a, a interstate rivalry renewed. And now we got, we got one shot. So better make it count. <laughs> yeah. And look, I, I believe uh, I was looking before the last, the last time SMU and Rice met, um, I could be wrong on this, but uh, the last time SMU and Rice met, Rice got the win in 2012, 36, 14. Uh, just got it up in time to confirm it, but uh, down in Houston, uh, June Jones uh, led SMU, lost to David Bailiff's led Rice team. <laughs> so this is this it's is wow. Uh, that's been one of the neatest things about hundred percent. Well, I was going to say one of the neatest things about Rice's move to the AAC is just an old CUSA 2.0 reboot. So Rice's last time these two teams played, 2011, 2012, it's a different era. <laughs> it, and look, it, it has been a different era for, for both programs. And, and I had the chance to uh, you know, spend time around uh, Mike, 
Mike Bloomgren uh, this summer and and one very impressive uh, coach, just what he has kind of chipped away at building from an outsider's perspective down there at Rice. Can you, you, you know this program just about better than anyone. Talk about the progression of Rice and just kind of how hard it is for, you know, the academics to kind of work with the athletics and what Mike Bloomgren has kind of brought to this program as he slowly kind of built it into this program that now is is really in contention for another bowl. Well, he he stripped it down to the studs. I remember the first spring practice, first w- couple weeks of spring practice he had, I guess it would have been 2019. He had to cancel practice early on multiple occasions because they didn't have enough bodies to play. So that's kind of the, the program that he inherited. And then you go from there, from one win in his first year to two, three, five, and, and the bowl appearance last year, uh, there's people, you know, he's used the the phrase incremental progress. And a lot of people in, in today's world of college football is like incrementals, not fast enough, but, but the build has been there. He has the opportunity to take rice to a bowl game and back-to-back seasons, which has only happened twice in the 112 year history of this program. Wow. So he's taken it a long way. And uh, of course people are hoping that, uh, you know, with JT Daniels at the helm, he'll be able to get it a little bit further at a couple marquee wins to the year. Already got Houston on the board. They'd love another. Yeah. Tell me about this season because you look at the, the game against Texas early. They kind of hung around before Texas pulled away. Then they go and beat Houston um, and they've they've hung around against Tulane. They've also lost to USF, which is improved, but still kind of one of those programs that was in the bottom of the AAC What's the season been like just kind of following it? It seems like this is a team that some weeks you've got a you're you're getting this well put together team that can beat anybody in this league from what it's shown. And other weeks it's like, oh, okay, they're just not there yet. I think the defense has some question marks. And that's that's been a lot of the reason for some of the inconsistencies at times. And you look at the UConn game, they turned the ball over three times and allowed you kind of put a bunch of cheap points on the board, but kind of the undercurrent that when we go and look back at the season, we're going to say, what if, what if JT Daniels doesn't get rolled up on against USF because he played three quarters at USF and didn't finish the game and then didn't practice the entire week leading up to UConn. And, uh, you know, I was out there for practice uh, you know, beginning of this week. And this was the first Monday practice that he's been basically a full participant in since. And that's going back to, to week four. And so you're talking about a guy who is gritty, a guy who is tough, but even I've talked to him at times and he said, I basically just had to learn how to play on one foot. And once I did that, I was fine. And which is hilarious to hear a quarterback say, and he's a dang good quarterback. So JT Daniels on one foot is better than most guys in the country on two. But that's been part of it is just kind of getting adjusted and not getting those practice reps and playing at 45, 50, 60 percent. So JT getting back to 100 percent, they're really hoping for a strong finish. But that's kind of been the crux. If you can get 100 percent of JT, uh, you got to feel pretty good. I mean, he's got to have a tough time battling a mortgage. He's getting his doctorate, I'm sure. I mean, (laughs) He's got you know some maybe some kids running around at practice. He, he yeah. makes the joke about you know I should be you know my seventeenth year of college football and it just kind of rolls off the tongue and like you know at this point you might not be kidding kid. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. He's I guess on I can't call my for, kid anymore. No. Yeah, oh, yeah, man. sir, <laughs> dad, whatever. Um, but 
Uh, no, JT Daniels, though, uh, has, has you know, connected really well with Luke McCaffrey. They have a great bond there, Dean Connors, uh, in the uh, running back room uh, as well. What is that connection between McCaffrey and Daniels like? Uh, and and how dangerous, dangerous is it overall? Have they been really slowed by many this year? I mean, no. I mean, that, that connection is is special, and it's been fun to watch what opposing defensive coordinators have tried to scheme up. Because when you look at this offense on paper in the passing game, you're like, okay, they got one guy whose name is McCaffrey who has the bloodlines and the talent. We've seen all the highlight catches. If we can just stop him, we'll be okay. And you've seen a lot of defenses kind of do that, just double up, and then other guys have stepped up and made plays. And the thing about I was talking with freshman receiver Landon Ransom, who had his uh, second touchdown grab uh, a week ago, and he said, I just ran the route and I wasn't open, and then all of a sudden the ball's in my hands in the end zone. And it's just like, and that's kind of just the summary of what it's like playing with JT. So if he can continue to make those plays, you watch a game like last week where McCaffrey is, you know, only tangentially involved, has a couple catches, and then boom has that 40-yard touchdown reception over the middle where his helmet comes off and he's celebrating the in, in the end zone. And one of those plays where you're like, everybody knows it's crunch time. We all know who's going to catch the football, and then, and then he does it. So those two have been a special connection, but I think it's been the fact that they, he's been able to get the ball to just about everybody that, that makes it even more that lethal because it's not just one guy. Flipping over to the defense, uh, this was a – Fun fact for me as I was uh, getting into some research here, but Bryce's leading tackler, Play Wyatt, 57 on the year, three tackles for loss, a sack, five pass breakups, a, four, a fumble recovery. It's from the Dallas area. First team to offer Play Wyatt all the way back in March 2018 was SMU. Some pictures with Cortland Sutton. Uh, that was <laughs> uh, a long, long time ago. Um, but good to see him uh, making an impact in college football um, and doing so, you know, in a big way for Rice. So let's start there. A, a guy that a couple of true recruit Knicks uh, for, for SMU fans are are familiar with. How big has play been for for Rice? He's been he's been huge. And just the fact that the way that Rice likes to play defense under defensive coordinator Brian Smith, they you know, every college football defense has this kind of hybrid linebacker safety guy. Everybody has their cute name for it. Rice calls it the Viper. Uh, but it, it he's just kind of the, the chess piece that, you know, Smith can put just about anywhere and can do a bunch of different things. And they had a, a guy, Treshawn Chamberlain, who's been the rock and was there for a long time and kind of held that spot down. He moves on and they need somebody to kind of step up and, and play has been that guy got banged up last year and has kind of come into his own. So, yeah, you Love to not see him leading the, the team in tackles. That has been a byproduct of a couple tough games uh, against some very good running teams. Tulane last week, I think, play set a season high in tackles last year and vaulted himself up the list. But, yeah, he's been huge. Uh, kind of an inexperienced secondary learning on the fly, especially that safety room, and he's come up pretty big so far. Defensively, where is this group at? What are the key issues and and what are the challenges that SMU will present them from, from your standpoint? I think schematically what they've kind of leaned into is being a havoc defense where this is not going to be, you're not going to look up a scoreboard and Rice has held SMU to 200 yards. 
it's not going to happen. SMU is going to get 400, maybe 500. What Rice is counting on and what they've been able to do in the games that they've been successful is to make those plays that change the game. You look at Gabe Taylor's pick last week, returns at 73 yards against Tulane, sets up a touchdown that puts Rice back in the game. Uh, had three turnovers in the first quarter against Tulsa. They have a very mean, nasty defensive line in front seven that can get those TFLs and force you into third and 15. And that's what they're going to do. So they're going to be chunk plays. They're going to give up the underneath. And, you know, if Jake Bailey wants that slant for eight yards, he can take it all day. And Rice Rice will let you go down the field on that route. But once you get to the red zone, you got to put it in. And Rice has had one of the better red zone defenses. They've held and forced a lot of field goals. And they're betting that the other team's not going to be able to beat them by death by paper cut. So that's it's going to be me and interesting. It's going to be a lot, a lot of bend and break, or not break is the goal. Yeah, and and SMU is kind of similar. They've they've forced teams to earn every yard yard that they've you know given up this year. They're they're still obviously the tops in the league, of course, but that has kind of been uh, their style when they have given up drives. It's not the explosive play. It's it's been bend but don't break. But do you think this is a, a game? Let's hear a prediction that you know, Rice can upset SMU. I know the, you know, the, the game last week against Tulane has to give them confidence. They can get it done, but what, what say you on this one? Well, I mean, at this moment in time, Rice is the only team in the American with power five win, which is probably something that not many people would have been expecting going into the season. And, but, but it is, and they have shown that their offense is lethal and they can score in bunches. And if you tack that in with the right couple havoc plays, you know, I was said going into this stretch of games, Rice plays, you know, the heavyweights, they play Tulane, SMU and UTSA back to back to back. And you add in Memphis and those are the three, those are the four best teams in this conference bar none. Rice just has too much talent and too much ability to not win a couple of those games. I, I, I think they get at least one. And it would not surprise me if it's at home this weekend against SMU. They've played some pretty good games at home. I think, you know, especially whatever it is, uh, there's only two programs in the country that have won more games at home as true underdogs in the past three years than Rice. They fit the role. They know what to play. So if they show up and throw it across the yard, if SMU is not ready, they could get punched in the mouth. 100%. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, a lot of respect from my, my standpoint with what, Mike Bloomgren and his staff have done there uh, in Houston for the Rice House. So thanks so much for previewing it with us at ontheponyexpress.com. Check them out, Matthew Bartlett, at theroost.com. They do it better than anyone else covering the Rice House. So check them out uh, there for your Rice coverage as well. So Matthew, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll be talking this week, I'm sure. Absolutely. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening to the On the Pony Express podcast with Billy Embody. Follow us on your socials on X at SMU on three and on Instagram at on three SMU. And keep it locked to OnThePonyExpress.com for more coverage. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.